Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Our text this morning is 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14. This is the Word of the Lord. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated. Lest you think I'm pulling a fast one, and I set this to coincide with Mother's Day, that's not the case. I have been preaching through the book of First Timothy, and the reading First Timothy or First uh, Corinthians 11 this morning was also um, wonderful to have combined with this, and we've just been reading consecutively through First Corinthians, so um, it's. Uh, I haven't set this up, but this is the eternal word of God, and so let us come to it with with humility. Let us come to it uh, and learn. Let us come to it with an attitude where we submit to the word of God. Those first two words of this passage are ominous, right? A woman, a woman. Holy Spirit, in the context, as I've said in previous weeks, the Holy Spirit, in the context that cannot be limited just to corporate Lord's Day worship, is giving directives to women. And if we were to compile God's commands for women in the explicitly clear passages of Scripture, a few themes emerge. Two of them would be quietness and submissiveness. Now, already, some of us, our hackles are raised. Um, Not only have the feminists of our culture trained us to understand quietness and submissiveness as abusive remnants of a patriarchal culture, but the evangelical-type feminists have trained us to hate simply gender-specific commands. Everything needs to be generically applied. Such retraining has taken, I think, its worst form, perhaps in the rewriting of the Bible with gender-neutral pronouns and the removal of words like man and brother. You see, such a work is the result of the embarrassment that Christians feel regarding God's word in a culture that's hostile to the very idea of male and female indistinction. Yet here in 1 Timothy 2, the Holy Spirit gives clear, concise commands for women. A woman, the text begins. This passage is for you, women. And as a command, it is not for men. Uh, Men have much to learn from it. Uh, They learn by implication how to honor God with the sex he made them and how to relate to the other sex, women, but the command is for women. 
The Holy Spirit says a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. There are those two themes, quietness and submissiveness. Now, where else does Scripture teach women to be quiet and submissive? Well, 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 through 6, brings out those two themes. In regard to her, in regard to her own husband, a woman is to be submissive, says even if that husband is disobedient to the word. So even if your husband is unbelieving, there is a submission that a woman should show toward him. And in general, she is to adorn herself, it says, with the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. And the next words of this passage should fill all women with joy in such a pursuit. Contrary to what you've been told by your professors, your parents in many cases, your pastors in many cases, and your, certainly by your social media stream, a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. There are only two other times that phrase, precious in the sight of God, is used in Scripture in this construction. In Psalm 116.15, which speaks of the preciousness of, of godly ones when they die. Right? And coming to him, or precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. And then earlier in the book of Peter, 2 verse 4, where Christ is described as precious. And coming to him as to living stones, which has been, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Think about that. So the three things that scripture says are precious in the sight of God in that way are the death of a Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and a woman with a gentle and quiet spirit. Wow. And you women have been told and trained to despise it. How in the world can Christians be resolved to despise what is precious in the sight of God? And again, the first Peter passage brings forward the submissiveness of a woman to sh- that she is to show toward her husband, as do many other passages, verses 5 and 6. For in this way... In former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, of course, obeying requires commands, and commands require teaching. God has taught us how to obey him in his word. And a husband learning, learns the commands of God to teach them to his family, commanding his household to keep the way of the Lord. And it's the woman's calling to obey. Now, you want me to ease up by offering all sorts of qualifications. But there's only one instance When a woman should not obey her husband. When he commands something contrary to the word of God. 
This is the one instance. Like the apostles, she should say, I must obey God and not man if that situation came about. But heading back to our passage, here what I said. I said that obedience to commands requires teaching. Often, women will not submit to their husbands, not because they've been commanded something contrary to the word of God, but simply because her husband has not taught her what is right from the word. What is godliness? For she, in her own study, has refused to be taught or believe the word of God. She may be ignorant, she may be untaught, she may be unknowledgeable. A woman may be a blithering idiot. When it comes to the commands of Scripture, living simply and only and always by her emotions. What is right for that kind of woman is what feels right. Just moment by moment. No foundation. And certainly not based upon the commands that are given to her in Scripture as a woman. Now... Isn't it strange how you were all made uncomfortable when I mentioned that a woman could be a blithering idiot? The reason you'll let me beat up on men that way and go away happy, but the minute I do so with a woman, is because we have been so feminized that we think that women are not even moral agents. We think they cannot sin. And so when it comes to preaching passages like this, pastors who are embarrassed by Scripture's commands get up and make jokes, and they do whatever they can. They do do whatever they can, either by limiting the passage's scope or redefining words that make them uncomfortable or skipping passages entirely. What they do is they do those things in order to guard their flock from these passages. And that's cruelty. That is cruelty. That is being a bad shepherd. Right? That is cruelty. Calvin said, faith and all right knowledge of God is born of obedience. Then, is not seriously teaching these commands to women. If we are not seriously teaching these commands to women, we are denying them both faith and right knowledge of God. Not telling women that quietness and submissiveness is a part of their calling as a Christian is equivalent to not telling homosexually tempted men not to repent of their sinful desires, right? Another area where there's embarrassment culturally about the commands of Scripture. So, so to, to avoid these passages or to manipulate these passages is to promote disobedience in the name of obedience, It is to be cruel, it's to leave a man or a woman in her sins, it's to jettison those commands of God that might be most helpful to her. Now in our passage, the quietness and submissiveness, they are tied to something specific. Those qualities are to mark the way she learns, the way she receives instruction. Now, what instruction is the Holy Spirit referring to in this passage? Can we limit this to instruction in the church and in the home? Or is there application of this passage beyond those two places? 
the two places that most modern commentaries and most modern Presbyterians limit it to, the home and the church. Let me say that I think the primary application of this is to formal instruction in the church, but that it cannot be limited to that. Just like a command for modesty that we talked about in the previous verse, there is not a limitation on that command to the assembled church. A woman is to be modest always, just as a woman is to demonstrate a quiet spirit always. Is that quiet spirit only precious to God in the sanctuary? Or is it what God thinks is always precious? Right Now again, it is the Holy Spirit's appeal to something that nails this down. It's the Holy Spirit's appeal to the creation order. So the way things were made to work when God made the world, that makes this application to broad culture a necessary part of understanding this passage. Those who seek to limit it want to apply one only they want to apply it only to the home and to the church because they don't want to have to take scripture out into a hostile world and face a feminist woman's wrath. And I don't blame them. Or, or they don't even want to face even a little frown from a woman. Now, it's strange to me that feminists know that Scripture is hopelessly patriarchal. Feminists know that Scripture is hopelessly patriarchal. They know that Scripture describes women as the weaker vessel... They know that it says women are to learn in quietness and entire submissiveness. They know that it says Adam was created first and then Eve. And they read it right. Right? And hate it and reject it. And then Christians come along and they decide to read the text wrong. So that they can claim obedience. Christians explain away what the feminists read with perfect clarity. Right? Can we please read this passage rightly and not let our cultural context determine what this passage allows? As hard as it may be to conceive, God's word may be countercultural. It may have dramatic applications and rebukes for particularly a godless culture. It may have something you know, to say about masculinity and femininity that just doesn't jive with anything you've been taught by that God-hating culture. I mean, duh, right? It's so stupid. It's so stupidly obvious. Could it be that God is here in this passage Shooting for the maintenance of his created order that he called good. And it's not just limited to what we do on a Sunday morning behind a pulpit. He is maintaining his creation order that he set in place before what? Before sin. Before the fall. Before everything was wrecked. So, of course, this passage applies to the church and the home, but it cannot be and should not be limited to such because when God made us male and female, he made us for different purposes. The man was to cultivate and keep the garden and the woman was to be
a helpmate to the man. And keep in mind that man was not made for the woman, but the woman for the man. Why should we stop confessing God's creation order when we are outside our home and our churches? Why would we want to stop confessing what God has called good? Why would we stop dressing modestly when we are not at home? Same parallelism. On this verse, Werner Neuer, in his book, Man and Woman in Christian Perspective, says this. Paul's remark about the tasks of women in the church also value highly the quiet existence of God and reject any public teaching or leadership role. Behind all these comments lies the key concept of the woman as the man's helpmeet, who accompanies his private uh, his sorry, who accompanies his public activity with quiet peaceableness and precisely through her hidden existence of God's on God's behalf exercises a blessing which is not to be undervalued. I know your minds are just Tearing apart right now. It's because we've been sold so many lies when it comes to male and female. So you see, the very fact that God created the woman a helpmate for the man has application everywhere. You can't deny it and remain faithful to scripture. And why would you want to deny it when it is so beautiful? Right when when it said when it is the way God made the world when it is the very issue of the day, right when our culture is sending souls to hell because they will not be taught what it means to be male and female. Now, as far as the church is concerned, that certainly is a place where a sexuality should be professed and lived. In the church, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. As the next verses will make clear, teaching and the exercise of authority are given to men. But this verse we are looking at today is telling women not that they can't teach. That is next time. But that there is a way in which they should learn. There's a way in which they should receive instruction. In 1 Corinthians 14.35, the Holy Spirit gives us an application of this rule. There it says, if they, the women, desire to learn anything, let them... Ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church. There is a contentiousness that comes when women reject this teaching of Scripture that tears churches apart. Okay, that almost tore this church apart. I don't know how many times I have had to deal with disgruntled women. Mostly disgruntled wives when it comes to something I've taught or preached or or exhorted. In most cases, there is both an unwillingness to quietly receive instruction with entire and and there is no submissiveness. And usually that grew out of an unwillingness for the husband to wash his wife with the water of the word 
when he ceded his authority, her unwillingness to submit to any authority was calcified. It was set in stone. Now, women are tempted to gossip. It's undeniably true that women are more tempted than men to gossip. Men gossip, but women are more tempted to gossip. And gossip is a rejection of truth. It is to prefer one's, one owns interpretation to the truth. That's what gossip is. It is a rejection of teaching. Gossip is a refusal to receive instruction with all submissiveness. Just a few verses forward in 1 Timothy 5, another passage about women. Young women are not to be put on the widow's list for a few reasons, one of which is gossip. If a woman has spent her entire life gossiping, she is disqualified from being honored as a widow. But refuse to put younger widows on the list, for when they fuel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house. And not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies talking about things which are not proper to mention. Therefore, I mean the offense just keeps coming from the scripture today. Therefore, I want younger women to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. For some have already turned aside to follow Satan. So women being more easily deceived, which may be as a result of their strength, Right? Mothers want to trust and care for people, which makes them especially susceptible to scoundrels who will take advantage of their mothering instincts. And they are more captive and they're, therefore they're more captivated by false teaching. And hence this command. This command in Scripture. Women, it should be your first instinct to quietly receive instruction, not aggressively question. Oh yes, be, of course, be that Berean that holds fast to the teaching of the apostles that they find to be scriptural, right? But, but think of the orientation of your heart. Think of perhaps the orientation of your heart this morning as you're receiving exhortations from the word of God. Is your heart inclined to accept what God has given you today from this pulpit? Or have you been trained to never allow yourself the simple reading of Scripture until you have expressed every one of your godless and vain emotions? What would it mean for you to quietly receive instruction in entire submissiveness? What would it, uh, would it perhaps mean a humbling of yourself? Would it perhaps mean an entire wrecking of yourself? Would it mean a new way of thinking? Would it mean crucifying your desires? Would it mean taking up your cross and dying to self? Well, good thing, that, that is what is commanded of all Christians, including women. To take up your cross, to die to self. Here's one way, receive instruction quietly with all submissiveness. Could it mean also that perhaps for the first time you discover why God says that a woman with a gentle and quiet spirit is precious in his sight? 
Could it be that your husband will be able for the first time to teach and lead you? Could it be that that will make him happy? Could it be that you may find there is no more powerful way for you to confess the Christian faith in society than by confessing your quiet femininity? And could it be that such a demeanor, such an obedience actually produces in you a kind of strength that mystifies the world? A kind of strength and femininity that the world just does not get. A quiet, submissive, and an undeniably strong woman. Have you met them? I've met a few. It takes no strength for you to nag your husband. It takes no strength for you to mouth off whenever you have opportunity. It takes no strength for you to be generally unteachable. The strongest, godliest, most influential women I've known are those who know what deference is, those who know what quietness is, those who know what submissiveness is. You know, it's that sort of woman that really can, can move mountains with her faith. Because that's faith. She hears the word of God and she believes it. I've also known women who talk incessantly, who gossip without pause, are unteachable, who in the end destroy everything around them. They tear down their own houses. And it's so weak. It's so weak. Calvin takes this passage and makes a broad application, and that's what I'm going to end with. Calvin says this, Truly men also, generally speaking, must receive this lesson as well as women. (laughs) That is to say, to learn with all subjection and quietness, for we are all God's students. And let this be one lesson. Therefore, whoever refuses to profit and to be taught cannot bear the yoke of Jesus Christ and will not be of his flock. For if we are sheep, we must hear the voice of our shepherd. And we know that Jesus Christ has called upon us called us to him upon this condition that we should profit in his school so long as we live. Therefore, this is not only for women that they should learn, but men have their part in it also. He who thinks himself so wise that he has no more need to learn is a fool. Yes, a crazy person. For this is our true wisdom to know that we are, for this is our true wisdom to know that we are ignorant. So that we may be daily more and more confirmed in good doctrine. And therefore, let us not think that men and women differ herein, that women learn. No man may think himself exempt uh, out of this rule. As for example, it is my office to teach, but it is therefore to be said that I must not also learn as well as the others. I am not exempt from the common sort of men as who would say I should not be Jesus Christ's disciple. Woe be unto me if at any time I go up into the pulpit to teach the divine doctrine of salvation, if for my part I do not profit by it. Therefore he who speaks and those who hear must be generally taught. But the woman has this condition diverse, that she must learn and not have the office of teaching. And therefore St. Paul adds in silence with all subjection. Men must be subject and with a quiet and peaceable heart, profit in the word of God, for we shall not all 
all of us be called to this office of teaching. It is sufficient that there be a few and that the others hear in silence. And if there be any so proud that they will not suffer themselves to be taught, let them go and be Satan's students. That is to say, let him make them blind and bewitch them to make them dumb as a stick. So then let us mark well that if we want to profit in God's school, men as well as women, we must have this subjection and peaceable spirit which we have spoken of. But as I said before, women must know that God puts them yet under another subjection, namely that they are not to exercise the office of teaching. And it belongs not to them to meddle with it. And why so? The reason shall be shown later. As we said, let it, and this is great, let it be sufficient for them that it is the Holy Spirit that speaks here. Right? Let it be sufficient that the Word of God says it. God has said this. If you would like a pastor who gives you ten subtle reasons why this does not apply to you, dear woman, or applies in such a limited sense as to be easy and attractive, I can direct you to a dozen other PCA churches. Grapple with these scriptures, dear sisters. Grapple with them. Right? Begin the receiving of instruction with quietness and submission on this very text. Grapple with it. Ask your husband to teach this text and what it means to you. Have him study it and download what he's studied to you. And receive it. And remember that that gentle and quiet spirit is precious in the sight of God.